Well, excited to get into God's Word this morning, and um, if you are one of those people that's a planner or kind of like to know what's coming up next, I'm sure some of you have been asking, hey, where are we going in God's Word? What is our next series? Uh, one of the things that we like to do around here at City on a Hill is uh, walk through books of the Bible or large passages, sections of Scripture, and uh, kind of verse by verse, line by line, uh, walk through it. And, um, you know, we've been at a bit of a, um, just kind of a crossroads. We've been praying about some, um, some things that ended up kind of going a little differently than we would have hoped, but um, at the same time, not all that different than we sort of expected or knew was very possible. And so um, with that, it sort of left um, this next little kind of season. I wasn't sure, you know, what, what it was going to look like. And so kind of had a few things in mind and um, and in just kind of prayer and, and seeking after the Lord um, uh, this week and just kind of praying on behalf of our, our church uh, where he would have us go next. I'm really excited because we're going to be looking at for uh, the next several weeks together um, one of my favorite books in the Bible. You ready? Uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel um, is, uh, is, is, seriously, is one of my um, all-time favorite books. Uh, I love this book. We have not looked at it together uh, as a church body here uh, at City on a Hill. Um, but uh, my guess is that you are, even if you uh, are maybe you know, not, um, haven't spent a ton of time in church or whatever, you probably have heard of or are familiar with some of the, uh, the stories from Daniel. Um, there's uh, you know, Daniel in the lion's den. There's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Um, so kind of show of hands, uh, who has heard of like one of those stories or some of the stories from Daniel? Let's, yeah. So just about everybody, if, um, if you didn't put your hand up, you might um, not be paying attention. Um, so this is just a, a little encouragement there. Um, if, uh, if, you now here's kind of a next next level is maybe you have been in a church or uh, maybe part of a study where you've looked in depth at Daniel before. My guess is there's a number of you that have done that. Show of hands if you've looked at Daniel before in some sort of study. Okay, so maybe about half or so uh, with that. And then my last question is how many of us have looked at or studied in depth, um, you know, with a church body together, uh, the book of Daniel in the year 2023. Anyone so far? Yeah. Okay. You'll be able to put your hand up shortly because that's where we're at today. And I say all that, I kind of little tongue in cheek there, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is this, is, um, you know, I've said it many, many times before, but God's word is living and active and it speaks to us. Um, these, these pages are, are alive. They're unchanging in the things that they say, uh, but God is active in the way that he applies his word and shows us things from it um, that apply to the things that we are walking through today, that we're going to walk through tomorrow. And and he uses his word. And so like you, I have studied Daniel many, many times, but I've never studied it at this time of life and in this season and with these kind of set of concerns or different things that I'm looking at and with this group of people. And so I believe that there is fresh truth for us, that there are new things that God is going to communicate uh, to us. Uh, kind of case in point, um, you know, uh, and I was kind of encouraged with that even uh, this week, um, you know, just kind of a, I'll, I'll kind of share a little bit of an exciting thing Thing coming up um, in our home. Um, I have the opportunity, I'm going to be traveling uh, this spring um, with our oldest daughter, uh, Ellie, to um, the land of Israel, um, going to uh, Israel. Now, I don't often talk about this, but um, my wife's uh, parents, Bree's parents, are um, they actually have a company that does Israel trips, okay? So I have an inn. I have a little inside track. I've gone to Israel with them before, and it was fantastic. I've only gone once, so this will be my second time. But uh, Israel played such a role in Bree's life 
life when she was about um, this age, she was about 13 or so when she went. And um, so they have, a, uh, they have a desire to see all of our children um, go to the land of Israel around this time. And so uh, last year wasn't a great time, so at least 14. So we're, we're planning a trip for, uh, for March. And so we thought, that's fantastic. You can take our kids to Israel. Here's the only catch. You got to take us with them. Okay, so I get to chaperone the first trip. So I'm going uh, in, in March. And so I'll be over uh, there in that. My hope is that in the coming years, in the next like two, three years, I would love to do a church trip. And so if that's the desire of yours, I know for many of you it is. It is fantastic. I mean, it's just the Bible. You don't need to go there to understand the Bible, but I'm telling you, the Bible comes to life. It goes from like black and white to color to 3D, the whole thing. And you just can see the places and the times. Because this Bible is not a bunch of made-up stories that, that kind of exist just in, you know, in fantasy. This is like, these were real people that lived in real times and walked in real, real places on our planet. And um, so much of it happens in the land of Israel. Well, in preparation for the trip, I decided this spring, I'm going to walk through the Gospels um, and just, there's so much of the stories of Jesus and things, you know, so I'm kind of studying that. And I started with the book of John this week. And I just got to tell you, I sat down and my plan was to look at the first chapter or two of the book of John. Well, I ended up walking through the entire book kind of in one, (laughs) one long like setting. I was just kind of just going for it and just seeing so many fresh things and just being reminded. I mean, I've studied the book of John before, but it's been a little bit since I've really kind of looked into it. And, and I share that just to say that, that, man, this week, God reminded me, he says, listen, my word is living and active. And I just saw so many fresh truths coming right there from a gospel that I've studied so many times and just saw so many things, because I've never thought of it like with, with, with the kids at the age that I have or the, you know, the, the situations that I'm encountering right now and some of those things. And so my hope is for this, that, that in the same way that the Gospel of John was so new and fresh this week, that as we look at the book of Daniel together as a church, even if you've studied it before, that it would be fresh, that it would be new, that God would teach us uh, some, some things. And I believe that there are some timely um, encouragements for us. Just a bit of background information. The book of Daniel, hopefully you found it by now. I'd encourage you, get a Bible out. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some underneath one of the seats in front of you. But the book of Daniel is um, toward the back of the Old Testament. Um, and it is one of the shortest, the second shortest of the major prophets. It's shorter than everything except for Lamentations. And so uh, just made the cut, right, on the major prophets. Now, if you don't know major, minor prophets, there's the, the, the end of the Old Testament is filled with prophecy. And we call them the major prophets, the minor prophets. The reason for that is just kind of purely subjective. It just has to do with the length, right, the number of words that the prophet used. And so if there were major preachers and minor preachers, I would like to think of myself as a just right preacher. Some of you probably consider me a major preacher. Um, I'd like to be maybe a little bit more minor preacher, you know, but like, you know, somewhere in that category. So Daniel is a major prophet, so one of the longer prophecies, but the shortest of the major prophets. But here's the thing about Daniel is that it is one of the most important pieces of Old Testament prophetic literature, perhaps the most studied of all the prophets. And there's more New Testament prophecy referring to Daniel than any other Old Testament book. It has the most fulfilled prophecies than any other book in the Bible. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the book of Daniel. We're going to focus a lot of our time and attention on the narrative, which is the first like six or so chapters. 
but we're not going to completely skip over and just kind of you know, ignore the last uh, several chapters. So we're going to move quickly. We're not going to spend months you know, combing through the last uh, chapters with the prophecy, but we are going to look at it. We want to see what the book of Daniel has for us. And my hope is this, is that as we study the book of Daniel together, that God has some things that he will be uh, teaching us that we need to hear, that we need to respond to um, in our lives today. And so uh, let's get into it and kind of see what, um, what the book of Daniel is all about. Um, it, uh, it's, it begins with this narrative. And uh, in verse uh, one of chapter one, it says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, a king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Now, a couple things. This helps to sort of set the background for us. You notice the, um, the uh, subtitle that we're using here is Shining in the Darkness um, of, of the Book of Daniel. And this is uh, kind of takes place, again, in history. Uh, there's a couple of players here that were introduced to um, early and Jehoiakim was the king in Judah. Judah was the southern part of Israel. It's where Jerusalem, um, the temple was. And uh, Jehoiakim was not a great king. Uh, he led the people away from the Lord. He was not uh, faithful to the decrees and commands, the calls of, um, of uh, God. And so um, here we find the people of Israel, despite decades of warning, the people of Israel continued in apostasy and worshiping foreign gods and immorality and and ultimately, what it brought was the foretold destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple. Now imagine this, this foreign king, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, comes to Jerusalem. He besieges it, but notice verse 2, it says, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels in the house of God. He brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so here we have, just from the very beginning, you can see the scene, it is dark. There's this darkness to it. The people of God have been, again, for decades, avoiding and ignoring the commands of God. And now he's actually fulfilled what he said was going to come to the people of God. If you continue down this path, there would be discipline. There would be destruction. Like this was foretold by many, many um, uh, prophets. And sometimes I think we uh, kind of mix up and kind of can, um, can mix together uh, some of the uh, stories of Scripture and kind of jumble them up. But what happens in Scripture, there, this was, there's like a couple of sieges that happened to Israel. Uh, one came, and there's a few waves, but one came to the northern part, one came to the southern part. So this is that southern part that's happening. And, and, um, and so this is about 605 B.C., and this is when uh, the land, the area of Judah is being overcome by uh, Babylon. And um, what we're going to see this morning is this call that in the darkness, we, you and I, we are all called to be different. Uh, this is kind of the picture that, that Daniel has for us. You see, in this land of Babylon, um, Daniel and his friends are going to be pulled back into or taken back to Babylon. And in that place of darkness, in that place of uh, this, foreign, um, this foreign place, there is uh, darkness here, but Daniel um, not only is called to, but lives as an example of what it looks like to live differently in following after the Lord. 
Again, the subtitle we're calling Shining in the Darkness, it comes straight from uh, a verse at the end of the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 12, verse uh, 3, I'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, uh, it says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so there's this idea that those who are wise, those that are following after fear of the Lord, will shine brightly like the stars, like the sky in the darkness. And so this is kind of this picture that we have here in, uh, in Babylon, lived out in the life of Daniel and his friends. Let me give you the uh, kind of first, first thing that we're going to see here. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Living God's way is a different way to live. This is what becomes amply clear in the way that uh, these uh, people of Israel uh, are brought into the land and the way that they are then instructed to live. Notice what happens in verse 3. Then the, command, uh, the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish and of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned to them a daily portion of the food and that the king ate and the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Now, what's going on here? Again, if you studied this before, this might be familiar to, do, to you, but if you haven't, or maybe it's been a while, let's be reminded of what this is. What's happening is, um, again, as the king instructed, he says, go into the land. We're, we're take, they've, they've taken over the land of Israel. Well, they're bringing back and trying to show this full and total destruction. So notice here, uh, what happens is they not only bring back the people, but they brought back some of the vessels it says they brought back the vessels of the house of God and they brought them to the land of Shinar, the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. This isn't the first time that we've heard of the land of Shinar. If you know all of your Bible facts, you uh, would be familiar with that in uh, Genesis chapter 11, we see the land of Shinar again, or for the first time. The land of Shinar was where um, the people, despite being told to scatter and fill the earth, the people of the earth began to gather and to assemble and to congregate in the land of Shinar. And they wanted, it says in Scripture that they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to show how great they as people were. And to do that, they built a tower. Do you remember the name of the tower? The Tower of? Babel. Babel. Okay, are you connecting dots here? You have the Tower of Babel in the land of Shinar, and this people wanting to make a name for themselves, living in opposition to the decrees of God. And so here we have, in the book of Daniel, this king coming, bringing the vessels from the temple of God to the land of Shinar, the Babylonian, Babel, Tower of Babel, Babylonian empire, here once again, kind of doing the same old thing, the same kind of thing, living in opposition to the decrees and the commands of God. And so this is the picture that you and I have, and we're reminded of this. Again, Babylon existed in history. It was a real place with real people. But Babylon is often used throughout Scripture to speak of any group of people or nation or, or people that stand in opposition or in direct contrast to the ways, the decrees of God. And so here you have them bringing Ashpenaz, 
the chief eunuch, bringing some of the people. Well, they brought the nobility, the youths without blemish of good appearance, right? So they're looking for the attractive ones. They're looking for the, you know, the class presidents, the valedictorians. They're looking for the, you know, the star athletes. They're bringing the best of the best. Like these are the people that are leading, right? They are, they are um, the ones that have the most promise. And what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to bring them there. And what they want to do is for three years, they're going to be in the king's court, eating the king's food, learning all about the uh, history and language of the people, being shown and encouraged to worship their gods. For what purpose? The hope was to kind of rewire, reorient, move them away from the things of Yahweh, the things of the God of Israel, and toward their gods and their way of life. And again, this is where we see that the living God's way is a different way to live. See, the people recognize, the people of Babylon recognize that if we're going to really, um, you know, kind of get these people going in a different direction, we're going to need to un- unwire and kind of rewire some of what's been put into them. They saw their love for the Lord and their desire to follow him, and so they were re-educating. The hope was then, as they brought the rest of the people in a future wave that they were going to bring people and then they would come and they would see some of their own, right? The leaders, the nobility, the, the prominent ones already living, already adapted, already sort of absorbed into the culture. It was a pretty wise move. Part of this was to give them new names. See, the names that Daniel had, look at verse six, this is where we meet Daniel. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. So we have Daniel, three of his friends, and all of their names um, uh, speak to the worship of Yahweh. But they were given new names. The chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Uh, Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. And each of these names means something. Let me show you the names of this because I think it helps to understand just what type of rewiring they're trying to do. And so uh, the name Daniel here means God is my judge. Uh, the name Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. The name Mishael is who is, what God is. And then Azariah, God has helped. All of these names speaking to the worship of Yahweh, the importance of Yahweh. Well, all of the names that they give speak to now foreign names. So Daniel becomes Belshazzar, which is may Baal protect his life. Bel is, uh, is not Baal, it's different from um, the Baal that we see in other parts of Scripture, but Bel means Lord, and it was referring to the Babylonian head god Marduk. And so may Marduk protect his life is Daniel's new name. Hananiah called Shadrach, uh, that name, Shadrach, means the command of a coup, which a coup was the moon god that the Babylonian people worshipped. Uh, Meshach also speaks to the moon god, his name means who is what a coup is. So from who is what God is to who is what a coup is, and now Abednego is the servant of Nebo, which Nebo is the Babylonian god of wisdom and agriculture. And so here you have this complete rewiring, this reworking. They're getting, uh, again, new language, new education, new food. Now they have new names all trying to do it. What's the point? The point is that the king and the leaders recognized Right, that God's way was a different way of life than they were living. And they didn't want to see them living God's way. Some of you have felt this very same thing from 
uh, perhaps those in your own life. They recognize the way that you've chosen to live or maybe the way that you're exploring that you want to live. And in doing so, they're, they're actively trying to get you to change from that. Naturally speaking, we do not live God's way. In our hearts, we have oftentimes and often will choose to live contrary to the ways and decrees of God. That's what we saw even in the people of God. The people of God had seen and knew God in a personal way, right? He had made himself known to the nation of Israel. He had worked on their behalf. He had given them his word and his promises, and he had spoken into their life. And yet, what do you have? You have century after century, you have decade after decade, generation after generation, living in contrast to the very way that God would lead. That's how they ended up in this place, is you have a king, Jehoiakim, leading his people against and toward this foreign worship. And so one of the things that you and I have to understand is that God's way, living God's way, is a different way to live. And it's not the way that we're naturally born into. It's not the way that we naturally are inclined toward. Now, it's the way God wired us to be originally, but sin distorted all of that. And so this is where we see, we, we, we see the aftermath, the effects of this. We see that there is now darkness in the land. There is darkness at work in and, and going against the people of God. But here's the thing that we need to also understand. Living God's way is a different way to live, but living God's way will make you different. It's not just a different way to live. It will make you different. If you live God's way, you yourself will be different. That's what we're going to see here. Daniel, uh, in verse 8, makes a choice. It says that, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Notice uh, what Daniel is doing here. It says that he resolved. He made a choice. He made a determination. I would call this a pre-decision, right? He pre-decided what he was going to do. And let's understand why, what, what he's doing or why he's deciding this. You see, Daniel looks, looks at it and he knows. He says, listen, I can't keep you from taking me out of my land, right? But my God is still here, so that's okay. And I can't keep you from teaching me uh, your language and sort of your customs and your culture. But I know who I am and I know what God has called me to be, right? I also can't prevent you from giving me a new name, but call me what you will. I know who I am and I, knows who, I know whose I am, right? But... When you ask me to eat, to consume, to put food into my body that I know is a defilement of my body, that is where I have to draw the line. You see, all those other things he could kind of manage, this was something God had specifically forbidden the people of Israel from eating food that was not uh, kind of following the laws, which, which are called kosher, right? That there, there's these, these uh, certain, um, you know, meats they couldn't eat or, or the way that it was prepared, it had to be prepared in kind of a certain way. But even more than that, one of the commands was that you are not to eat food that has been offered to idols, to foreign gods. And so most assuredly, the food that the king was eating was this choice food, the, the food and the drink, the wine, it had all been offered to a foreign god before it made its way to the palace. And so what Daniel saw was he's like, for me to eat that foreign food, it's not so much about like, I can't eat, um, you know, this type of food or that sort of thing. It was like, no, this has been offered to an idol. So for me to eat this food would be against the name of the God. So do what you will to my name. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to defame the name of the Lord. 
That's why he's writing, uh, kind of putting this line in the, in the sand. This is why he's drawing a, a, a spot here. And he says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. So he asked if he would be allowed not to do so. And he does it in a really wise way. Look at verse nine. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. What a great reminder, right? God is at work in this story. God allowed the nation of Babylon to overcome the nation of Israel. It says it gave him into the hand. But at the same time, God is still present and God is giving Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. Why should he see you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age so you would endanger my head with the king? Basically, he's like, listen, I, I get it. I know what you're asking, and I even respect it. Like, I would love to honor that request, but you have to understand my position, right? I'm responsible to make sure that all of you guys, right? And these youth, you have to understand, Daniel was probably about 14, 15, maybe as young as 12. I mean, these are teenagers. So Daniel was given wisdom by the Lord to present this plan, and there he is in his youth, and he's like, listen, if I was to allow you guys to eat this different diet, and the king comes and makes an assessment, and he sees you, he's like, I'm responsible for that. So he's like, you gotta help me out here. I would love to help you, but I can't let you be malnourished and then it's my job on the line. And Daniel says, okay, I get that. Verse 11, he said to the steward to whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. So the proposal was this. Daniel, upon assessing the food, he recognized, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't eat the food, can't eat the drink, but what I can eat are these Brussels sprouts, right? And the broccoli and the green beans and the carrots, and I can drink water, okay? Now let's be clear about what Scripture's not doing here. It's not giving us some like magical diet that's gonna make you look like, you know, the way you want to look, okay? Now, I'm not saying you can't do a Daniel fast or do some of these things and, and all of that. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that Scripture is not trying to give you like the newest and latest, you know, uh, uh, faster kind of dieting method that's going to like be the secret that you've been looking for, okay? Um, that's not what's going on here. What it is is that this was the food that uh, was not being offered to idols, which should tell you something, right? Um, the idols were being offered the good food, the wine, the drink, all of that. They're not being offered the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and the like snap peas and all of that. Like the idol wants nothing to do with it, right? So Daniel's like, hey, give us that stuff. That stuff has no, no business like being offered. Like he's like, give us that. And so God, he, he blesses this, right? He, he honors this request and they were allowed, they were tested for this 10 days. But before we move on and see the result of it, let's be reminded of what is happening here. You see, Daniel is making a decision. He decided, he resolved in his heart that he would not be defiled. And so before that first meal even came, he knew, I don't know what it's gonna take, I don't know what the method is to do it, but I'm not gonna put that food in me. And so could you imagine then, for these 10 days, is where it started, right? These 10 days, every single meal was a reminder, hey, look at those four. They're different, right? They probably got the end of the table. They're down there snacking on their veggies. 
I don't even know if they had ranch to dip them in, right? Like they're just, they're just munching on their veggies, like little rabbits there at the end. And, 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 and every meal, it was a reminder that they are different. They're making a different choice. And so breakfast, lunch, dinner, as they're eating, every time they're there doing that. And I think for some of us, we need to hear this point this morning, is that if you choose, if you make the decision to live according to God's way, and it is a choice, if you decide to live according to God's way, that will make you different from the world around you. This is not the way that our world is living. Our world is not living in the way that God has called them to. And so Daniel made a decision. He predecided. I like to think of it this way. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember a time when if you wanted to go somewhere, right, you would get directions. They'd be like, hey, let me tell you how to get here. You know, and then you'd kind of write it down. You're like, okay, you know, you're going to turn on this road. You're going to go past three quick trips, right? After the third quick trip, then you turn right, and you'll go down this road, go to the second stoplight, turn left, you know, house is third on the right, that kind of thing. And then amazingly, we all got places. We all showed up. We didn't have phones to call or anything like that. We just, we got there. And then this thing, MapQuest, came out, and that was fantastic, right? You'd, you'd print off the map before you got in. You'd have all the directions, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, inevitably, you know, there'd be a miscommunication on who was supposed to print the directions. That ever happened in your house? Like, you get in the car, and you're like, hey, did you print the directions? No, I thought you were going. Oh, no. So you got to run in and print them again, and that little, you know, got to tear those edges off, that, pr- that pe- paper, you know, with all the holes in it, and like, yeah, that whole thing, like, right? Like, it, it, now... We have this amazing technology, GPS. And so when you punch it into your phone, you get like directions right there instantly. Now, I'm guessing your phone looks something like mine. Like if I was to um, say we want to get down to the Capitol, it's been a bit, got to refresh ourselves. Um, you know, you get these options of the route that you're going to take. And oftentimes we'll kind of look at that route and we'll try and figure out, okay, what makes the most sense? Where, which roads am I on? You know, that sort of thing. So here you have those, these kind of two paths that you can uh, go on. Uh, Both are going to get you to the same place, but there's different ways to get there. See, this is um, how I'd like to illustrate, you know, what I think Daniel is doing in in this time right now. Like, he he sees the next three years ahead, right? And he knows what's coming. And he's there with all the other youths that were brought from Israel. But he looks at it, and he's resolved in his heart how he is going to get to the end of this time. He's pre-deciding right now, before the decisions even come up, how he's going to conduct himself. And for many of us, we need to kind of take inventory and take stock and do this very same thing in our own lives. What has God called us to, right? It might even be like not even the same destination with a different way to get there. It might be a completely different destination. And God has called us to or given us a path to get there with some specific directions. How many of you have tried to do this, right? Like you see those directions and you're like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm gonna go my own way, right? And you start kind of going, especially now with the traffic. To, oh, I saw a couple of looks. I love it when I say things and then I get like looks that go uh, between, um, you know, husband, wife. That's fantastic. Um, I'm not, I won't call you out, but I, I saw it, okay? So um, you know who you are. Um, and so like, you know, you, you, you kind of like, you look at it and it starts kind of, you know, the traffic starts building and maybe it suggests an alternate route or something like that. It's actually gotten pretty good. I used to kind of think, oh, I can beat that. I'm gonna try and find my own way. And like, rarely does it work out better right? Or how many times, right, do you get into it and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of like, you know, explore my own and kind of get off and kind of do, do my own thing. Well, this is what Daniel is doing here is he's deciding, no, no, I see that God has given me the path and he's called me to it. And so I'm going to resolve in my heart that I'm going to follow that path no matter what, 
no matter what might look more appealing, no, no matter what side street might seem more open, whatever you know, kind of suggestion I get from the you know, passengers in the car, I'm going to follow this course of action. I'm going to follow this direction. Right? This, is, this is the picture of this resolve that he is making. And I think for some of us, we need to hear this this morning. Some of us, you are trying so hard to live out the decrees, the way of the Lord, and you are discouraged in doing so. You're watching others seemingly get ahead uh, in whatever, you know, your business, your company. You're watching others uh, seemingly have, um, you know, more fun or, or their life is kind of going a little differently or, or whatever, and you're like, you're living faithfully before the Lord, and you're like, Lord, why is it not going my way? I think this morning, some of you need to be encouraged and just be reminded that God's way truly is the best way. It really is. He is full of wisdom. He sees the end. He knows your heart. And the way that he is leading us through his word is the best way for us to follow. It really is. And I just want to encourage you this morning because I know it's, it sometimes is discouraging and we get tired and we start looking around and we start seeing all the people that maybe aren't. And we're like, maybe, am I, the, am I the odd one out? Am I the one that's doing something different? Like, what, what, what is this? And can I just encourage you that, yes, if you follow God's way, you will look different. You will be different from those in the office, from those in your street, from those in your apartment complex, even from those in your family, those in your class. Like, you will be different. Some of you maybe. Maybe what you need is not encouragement. You just need permission. And I would tell you this, that God has given you permission to live differently. Not only has he given you permission, he's called you to it, right? He's, he's urged you, he's exhorted you. He said, listen, you have to. And some of you, you want to live differently, but you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like, I, should I look this different? And to that, I would say, yes. Yes, you will look drastically different every single meal. It was a reminder that Daniel and his friends were living completely differently than all those other youth. Can you imagine you know, some of the comments that they had to have gotten? What, you think you're better than us? What, you, like, like it was other youth from Israel that were given the same commands. Like how, how many opportunities would Daniel have been able to justify it? He's like, I'm 900 miles from home, right? Well, God doesn't seem to be present. They're like, he's like, you know, I gave up on God back when, 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 when my hometown was, was taken over, right? I was hauled off to this land. Like why would I have to be faithful to the Lord here? But he recognized, I'm not just called to be faithful when I'm at home, but I'm called to be faithful in the darkness, in Babylon, here in this place. Some of you need to be reminded of that. Others of you, you need to be reminded that this is what we are called to do. Some of you, there was like a turn you took maybe a couple months ago, maybe a couple years ago, and you're sort of off course. And you're in a spot that is like off the map. And you know, so often what we do when we get in those places, right, is we're like, well, I'm just going to kind of figure it out. But what I would encourage you to do, maybe you need to do what I hate to do when I'm driving, stop, kind of reassess the situation. I used to go in and ask for directions. Now I got to like go back to the map or the phone or whatever it might be, right? And I got to get back onto the right course. Some of you, the biblical word for this is repentance. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to stop the direction we're going and then turn around and go the other way. It feels like wasted time or wasted progress because we're going, we're double backing. But we need to get back onto the course that God has called us to. And some of you, maybe, 
Maybe you're so new to following Christ or maybe you're just exploring what it means to follow Christ. Some of you, maybe, maybe what you need this morning is you just need to be told that God has a different way for you to live than the world would hold up. It is different. Like the things, the decrees, the, the calls in here are completely different from what our world would espouse as values. Right? The things that we would esteem through God's word are not the things that are being held up by our current culture, country, city, the people, the places that we run with. They don't see this as good. They see this as weird. They see it as destructive. They see it as archaic. And so can I just tell you, if you don't know that, that God's way of living is drastically different, if you think that to follow Christ means that you pray a prayer, show up in church a few times, and then live whatever way you want, do whatever you want to do, you are not following the Jesus of the Bible. If you follow after the Jesus of the Bible, it will result in a radically different life. See, the way is few. The people that choose to follow Christ, truly follow him. It is not the majority that we see. And so we just need to be maybe, maybe told, maybe reminded, maybe re refreshed that this is the way that Christ has called us to live. It is a radical lifestyle. It is such a change from where our hearts naturally go after. The way of the Lord is different. If you follow Jesus, you will look different than the world around you. And that's a really good thing. Let's see what happens after these 10 days. Verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in better, better in appearance and fatter in flesh. I guess that was a good thing. <laughs> like, I can get that down. Um, then the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. The test worked. At the end of 10 days, like he's like, what's 10 days, right? But 10 days, they were already showing signs of, um, of, of, of the benefit of this. What is that? That's just a visible picture of God's blessing in that situation, okay? Again, it's not saying if you eat this diet, you will look fantastic. So go out, you know, throw out all the meat and, and everything else in your fridge and just go for the, the veggies. Um, you certainly can do that, but that's not what scripture is telling us here. Verse 17, as these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. They were invited into the king's court. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in all in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So here's the thing that we need to understand. I think we might be um, quick to kind of like, you know, make this a uh, promise rather than a principle. We might see the blessing that comes from living God's way. And we might you know, be tempted to say, okay, living God's way is gonna bring blessing to my life, right? And maybe that's how preachers preach that, but that I don't think is what this passage is trying to teach us. I think it's this. I think it's living God's way is worth it because of who God is. We live God's way because he is God and he knows best. See, in this particular situation, God saw fit to bless these men they had wisdom, they had knowledge, they got status and, 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 and an ability to kind of speak into the situations. 
But that is not how it always goes. Uh, You can probably give testimony to plenty of times that you have done exactly what God has said for you to do, and it still didn't go great. And that's what leaves us scratching our heads and at times shaking our fists. Because we're like, God, I lived for you. Where's the blessing? Right? I thought if I followed your way that things would go well. And in this situation, for Daniel and his friends, it did. But very soon after this, we're going to see later in God's word, or in the book of Daniel itself, that they're going to live for God, and it's not going to go great. It's not going to be what they expected. And so what I would say to you is that, we, listen, we need to like, redefine why we live God's way. Now, sometimes God does. He chooses to bless. But we live God's way because it's, it's God. And he said it. And I will say this, ultimately, the blessing will come. It just may not be in the way that you thought or it might not happen in the timing that you thought. On the eternal scale, God is on the throne and he will bring about the blessing. See, that is the prevailing message. More than We're gonna see some great examples from, Dave, from Daniel and his friends um, throughout this book. But more than that, more than the example that we see set by their life, what we're going to see, what I think the book of Daniel speaks louder than anything, is that God is on the throne, all right? And so what happens when, when this, this nation is overthrown and these people come, the, the, these foreign gods are not greater than God of Israel. He is the greatest, and he is on the throne, and his way reigns. His way is the best way. This is what is happening here. And so we see a tangible, visible example of that. You know, some of us, some of us, we feel this, we look around and we see our culture and where it is and where it's going, and it can be discouraging at times. It can be really discouraging at times. Some of us think back to days when, when maybe, maybe you remember a time when, um, you know, it looked like the, the, the values around us were more in line with Scripture, but can I just kind of maybe uh, cut through that a little bit? I had a pastor share with me recently that it was so helpful and, and kind of challenging in this way. I think sometimes we look back on other times and we, we, we tend to think like, oh man, if it, if it was just different, right? If, if there was more, more kind of value kind of aligned with, with God's, then, then that would be better. And in some ways it would be. In some ways it would be, right? But there's also danger in that too. Because I think what we've experienced and let's just speak about our kind of country and our nation, is we've seen that people get really close to the way of God, but not, not totally there, right? And so it resembles it, but it's not following the Jesus of the Bible. And I would submit that that's even more dangerous than completely missing it. Because in that spot, you think you're good, right? You think I'm close enough. You think I've got it. And close is not close enough, right? Like we need to follow the God of the Bible. We need to follow after Jesus and what he has declared. And so one of the benefits, can we just maybe flip the script a little bit? One of the benefit of the time that we live in, I would even say the city and the culture and the, 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 the county that we live in, what we are seeking to do here at our church and as, we've, as followers of Jesus is in stark contrast to what is happening around us. And one of the encouragements that I can give you in that is it is amply clear when you are following Christ and when you aren't. Right? It is so clear. It is so clear. It is so clear who needs Jesus and, and, and the steps that we can take to do that. And so, church, can we be encouraged that, that in the same way that Daniel, living in a land totally far away from his hometown, 
right? In a new place, in a place of darkness, he was still called to follow after the same God in the same way, and he was called to shine as darkness right where he was. It wasn't about this quest to get back home. It was about how can I be faithful here, God, where you have me right now. You know, I've watched, and you have too, I'm sure. You've seen people kind of come and go. This area is particularly dark at times. I don't know that there's a lot of places that are like tons better, but I think, you know, sometimes we feel extra pressure here. And sometimes that causes people to want to move away. And I've seen people for that very reason. They're like, I just, you know what, I just, Madison or Dane County just kind of feels dark. It feels like there's not many people living for the Lord. Well, can I just share with you the reason that, that I'm here, the reason that my family is here? We moved here for that very reason. We moved here because it was dark. And I know some of you, you're here for that very reason. You feel like God has not allowed you to leave it. You're like, you're here because you want to live for Christ in this place, in this time, in this way. And so listen, church, can we encourage one another that, that we, have, we have found in Christ everything that we need and we can point others to that same hope and that we can live for him knowing, yes, we will look different, but it is worth it because God is God and he is on the throne. I'm gonna invite the team up. We're gonna uh, continue and just kind of enter time in worship. Let me pray as they come. Our God, we thank you for the hope that we find in you. And Lord, in seasons of doubt and disappointment and darkness, Lord, I know we're tempted to question. God, we're tempted to question you. Uh, that comes sometimes from outside, but Lord, sometimes that comes from our, very, our own hearts. Lord, that we doubt your goodness, we doubt your faithfulness in our life. And so Lord, this morning, would you remind us that you are present, God, that you are working, God, that your way is best. God, that you've shown us and demonstrated your love through your son, Jesus. And God, because of that changed life that you've given us a new life to live, God, a new way to live, Lord, help us in that, to that end. God, we know that you're working. We don't do that in our own strength, our own power, but God, we do that through you. And so lead us, we pray. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.